Matthew chapter 11. So uh, we've been journeying through Matthew 8 and 9 through Lent, and then uh, we did some more things in Matthew 9. And one of the things in Matthew 9 was that John's disciples came to John and uh, said, why is it that we and the Pharisees fast and you don't? And so I kind of want to continue with this only in Matthew 11. Let's say a word of prayer. God, thank you again that we get to be here, that we get to experience your presence through each other this morning. I pray that we would be a people who love well, who build each other up well, who encourage one another. God, uh, compel us onward to be formed more and more in the way of Jesus, uh, to be transformed more and more into your image, and to become more and more the people you have created us to be. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Uh, so John's disciples came and said, so why don't you fast? Uh, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago. And now in Matthew 11, John's disciples are back with another question. And John 11, verse 2, it says, When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? So, uh, something has happened to John the Baptist. Uh, he has proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah. He has said things about Jesus that are profound. Uh, in John chapter 1, it says that the next day John, referring to John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know, but the reason I came baptizing with, with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him, referring to Jesus. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So early on, right as Jesus's ministry is beginning to kick off, God reveals to John the Baptist, this is my chosen one. And so John proclaims it. John is passionate about his faith. He is passionate about the calling God has put on his life. He is passionate about this Messiah that God has revealed to him, who happened to be his cousin as well. And so John is proclaiming, listen, I'm not the Messiah. He is. He's the one who will heal the world. He is the one who will take away sins. He is the one in whom all our hopes rest. He, Jesus, is the one. But a couple years later, John finds himself in prison. Herod Antipas has put John in prison because John called him out for marrying his brother's wife. Uh, John was a threat to Herod, and so Herod wanted to silence John, and he puts him in prison. And so now John is sitting in a prison cell, and he has a lot of time to think in a prison cell. And I can only imagine he's wondering, 
Was I wrong? Was I wrong? Should we look for someone else? Uh, John is beginning to wonder if Jesus really is the one. Did I hear God correctly? Uh, when, when hardship and pain and suffering enters our life, it's easy to begin to question the goodness of God, isn't it? It's easy to begin to wonder, is God really for me? Is God really good? Uh, this morning, if you're asking these questions, I want to affirm them because they are a part of the journey of faith. We must question. Uh, doubt can always lead us back to a stronger faith in the one who came to rescue us. Uh, we, we see this through the scriptures. Uh, in the Psalms, just one example, Psalm 13, David says, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. David's going through hardship. And he's not afraid to question. He's not afraid to ask how long. Uh, John is going through hardship. And he's not afraid to question. Uh, the thing I like about John is that in his hardship, he doesn't just sit and stew with his question. What does he do with his question? He takes it to Jesus. He takes it to Jesus. And he says, help me wrestle through this, man. Are you who I thought you were? Uh, John's wrestling with expectations. He had certain expectations of the Messiah, and they're not being met. And so now he's wondering, are you really the one who was to come? Because it doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like you're doing the sorts of things that I would expect the Messiah to do. Uh, so many in first century Palestine at that time were expecting a Messiah to come who would drive out Rome, who would drive out the puppet king Herod, who would establish God's earthly kingdom in a real and physical way. And, and Jesus isn't doing that. John's like, listen, man, you have time to hang out and feast with tax collectors and sinners while I'm sitting in a prison cell. What is going on here? My disciples came to you and asked why you didn't fast and you start talking about a wedding party and, and you're hanging out with all these people, having a great time. I'm in a prison cell. Where are you? Was I wrong? Are you the one who was to come? Or, or should I look for someone else? Um, I can have the next slide. The prayer the children let us in. Uh, th this one's tough, isn't it? How? How does hardship 
lead us to peace. Uh, the Apostle Paul put it differently. He says this, we also glory in our sufferings. Paul was weird. Uh, glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Just, just allow yourself to create an image of that right now. God's love being poured out into your heart by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that a beautiful image? His love is just poured out and it never stops. It just keeps pouring into you. We're invited to wake up and become aware that that is happening. That the very Spirit of God is being poured through us. God's love poured through us. And we get to embrace that love and share that love with the world. We, we get to be a part of this thing that God is doing. Uh, John's sitting in a prison cell. And he had heard the deeds the Messiah was doing. And he's wondering, what's going on here? Jesus responds to John's disciples. Verse 4, he says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. So J Jesus, uh, no surprise, does not give a direct answer. Uh, Jesus rarely gives a direct answer to a question in the Gospels. In fact, uh, often what Jesus prefers to do is respond with a question. He doesn't respond with a question here. He says, go and tell John what you see and hear. So uh, probably referring to, if he's saying, go tell John what you hear and see, uh, he's just given this sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. And then in Matthew 8 and 9, he's done a bunch of healings. So it's, go tell him about my teaching and go tell him about my healing. He says, verse 5, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Uh, so Jesus is paraphrasing a couple of passages from Isaiah. The first in Isaiah 35, Jesus, uh, Jesus is paraphrasing this, uh, prophecy about when the Messiah will come. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Uh, interestingly, just prior to this uh, is, a, is a word of judgment. And so uh, John is thinking about the fiery Messiah. Why isn't Jesus coming and judging and driving out Rome and driving out Herod and driving out all these evil people? And Jesus is helping John see uh, I came to be the Messiah of mercy and hope and healing. So he quotes this part of Isaiah. Uh, he also touches on Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. So Jesus mentions that this is what's happening. I have come to proclaim good news to the poor, that those who are on the underside of power, I am for them. Those who are being oppressed and beaten down, I am for them. I came to proclaim good news to them. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom 
for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. Where is John? He's in prison. What did Jesus not say? That he came to release the prisoners. Uh, I have to imagine that when John's disciples came back to him and said, this is what Jesus said, and he quoted these two texts from Isaiah, but this is what he left out. It must have felt like a sucker punch to John. When he probably in that moment realized, I'm not getting out of here. Uh, Jesus isn't going to become this military messiah that I thought. He's not going to get rid of Herod. He's not going to drive Rome out. He's saying he's come to heal and to teach and to be a presence of compassion and mercy and to even love the enemy. Uh, I can't imagine how John felt in this moment. Um, whatever questions you're carrying around, whatever hardship, whatever suffering, whatever pain, uh, it's good and right to bring those questions to Jesus and to wrestle with them and to explore and discern, God, what is going on? What are you doing in this moment? What is happening? Why? Uh, it's okay. And it's good, and it's a part of the journey of faith. Uh, later in Matthew 11, Jesus will say this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, a rabbi's yoke is his teachings, uh, the way he is uh, teaching his disciples to live. And when I used to read this, I, I had a really difficult time that Jesus would say, my yoke is easy. Like, what, what are you, what? That is not easy. Love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. Uh, that, that is not easy, Jesus. Uh, and then uh, I finally did a word study on this. And why every translation translates this word easy, I do not know. Uh, next slide. Easy is a krestos, and it means useful, gentle, pleasant, kind, or better. It doesn't mean easy. Jesus is saying, listen, my, my teaching, my yoke, it's better. It's kind. It's good. It's useful. My teaching is the better way. It's the best possible way to live. I'm right now remembering when the Steiners were up here last week and uh, um, Phil quote, quoted Caleb, who said, God never said the journey of faith would be easy. You're right, Caleb. God never said that. Uh, it's not always easy, but it's good. It's better. 
it's the best possible way to live. And Jesus invites us to take that yoke. Uh, let's skip to the last slide, okay? I love how the message uh, puts this. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Uh, this way of life Jesus invites us into, he said, hey, listen, get away with me. Let's spend time together and just, just rest. Just take a deep breath, rest in me, and learn these unforced rhythms of grace that I invite you into. My yoke, my teaching, it's better. It's good. It's useful. It's, it's the best possible way to live. And Jesus, after telling John's disciples to go and tell John what they hear and see, he says, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Uh, when our expectations of God aren't met, when God doesn't do the things we want God to do, uh, Jesus says, don't let that be a stumbling block. Don't stumble over that. Return to what you know deep down to be true. God is good. God is for you. God is love. God is present to you. God is with you. Uh, David in Psalm 13, after his questions, after his complaint, after uh, crying out to God, he's still in that place of hurt and pain and confusion and not knowing what's going to happen next. And yet somehow in the midst of it, he's able to say, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. This morning, as we come and partake of the bread and the cup, uh, we remember what Christ did for us. Uh, John was beheaded. That's how his life ended. Jesus was nailed to a Roman execution stake. That's how his life ended. Uh, so it's not easy. It wasn't easy for John. It wasn't easy for Jesus. Uh, this, this path that we're invited into, the way of the cross, is not easy. But it's good. It's good. It's better. It's the best possible way to live. And I tell you this morning that the story didn't end with the cross. Resurrection happened. 
Resurrection is real. Jesus conquered death. And he invites us to experience the life of resurrection right here, right now. This journey of salvation is filled with many deaths and many resurrections. We constantly wrestle with death. Dying to ourselves, embracing reality, accepting reality, as painful and hard as it is, and being transformed through it. It is suffering, it is pain, it is hardship that somehow mysteriously transforms us into resurrection people who become more and more like the risen Christ. It was on the evening Jesus was betrayed that he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Take it and drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And he will come again. Uh, Sometimes he comes right here, right now, through others being present to you in your pain. Sometimes he comes right here, right now, as you experience and remember and know that love being poured out into your heart through the gift of the Holy Spirit. But ultimately, he will come again and make all things right. God, we long for you to come. Come, Lord Jesus. In the meantime, come through us. Make us your instruments of peace. May we embody the crucified and risen Christ well. God, in the midst of our questions, help us to take them to you. In the midst of our pain, may we know the healing presence of Jesus with us. May we know your love being poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. God, as we come and take this bread and dip it in the cup, allow us to more fully identify with you in your death and resurrection. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.